It's day 42 of my self-imposed quarantine, and I'm finally adjusting to the new routine. I get up, I make my bed, do some yoga, drink some coffee. There's always coffee. And these days, I have more time for reflection, to be grateful for all the things that are blessed in my life, my friends, my family, my health. And in this position, I find myself asking where I can be of greatest service. Today, organizations are considering strategies that account for a global pandemic that's forever changed everything. Many organizations, as a result, are at an inflection point, and their decisions now will determine whether they grow, evolve, or ultimately fail. The teams within those organizations must refocus their finite resources on the strategies, programs, and activities that drive their performance, and the leaders that lead those teams have to consider the broader economics of their culture and talent decisions. Here at Thinking Inside the Box podcast, we'll do our part. We'll bring together executives, entrepreneurs, and creatives who share similar values and solve common problems. And we'll complement that with a series of articles that tackle the most pressing issues facing business leaders in our new normal. How do some of the world's most talented leaders develop compelling business cases for funding and resources to fuel their vision? How do the most successful organizations leverage predictive analytics to mitigate non-compliance risk, retain key talent, and inform future capital investment decisions? What is the business rationale for diverse and inclusive workforces? We discuss these and go much deeper, providing tangible tactics, tools, and templates that we hope you can take away and use to transform your own workplace. To the listeners that know me, you'll appreciate that my biases for simplicity, practicality, and action are not going anywhere. They won't change. Over the next few weeks, you can expect to see evidence of that with announcements to follow. If you want to support our efforts, please take a moment to rate the podcast. And for access to full-length interviews, please check out bentohr.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until then, be safe. I actually don't like the term change management because it infers that change is just this force out there that we just need to manage and accept and control. And that's really not how it works. To me, change management, or what I like to call it instead, is change enablement or change leadership, is an enabling framework for the people side of change. It is a structured process with resources and tools for helping companies focus on what I call the predictable human dynamics of change. You can't make change in organizations solely in the boardroom or in the executive suite. It has to be done with the support and buy-in of your people in order to be successful and in order to be sustainable and in order for you to deliver business results. Hey everyone, it's Matt here for another episode of Thinking Inside the Box, the show where each week we'll tackle the most complex issues related to work and culture. If you're interested in checking out our other content, you can find us at bentohr.com, on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts by searching Thinking Inside the Box.
In this week's episode, I chat with Mumtaz Chaudhry, co-founder and executive director of Pradulous Solutions, a change management consultancy based in Vancouver, Canada. We are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution, a collision of technology, culture, and data. Organizations, and more specifically, their employees, are often caught in the middle. So today, Mumtaz and I will discuss topics related to change management, and more specifically, how it relates to leaders and how they lead organizations through change. Mumtaz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for inviting me to join the today's podcast, Matt. Mumtaz, I'm so excited for this particular episode. Change management is something that I get questions about on a regular basis from our community. So looking forward to really digging into what it means in the context of organizations of the future. But I think before we do that, I would love to hear a bit more about yourself. Sounds good. So as for myself, I'm a change management professional. Um, I've been practicing this uh, discipline and this practice for the last uh, 13 years now. So um, it's been over a decade and I'm the co-founder and executive director at Pradulous. And Pradulous is really a boutique change management consultancy that I founded with my husband in 2006. So we're a husband and wife uh, dynamic duo and team. And our focus is really on human-centered change because we help business leaders humanize change and build change-ready organizations. So we help them with that capability-building work that I think is so critical within this context of the future of work. Funny story is that we didn't actually start out as a change management consultancy. Uh, Shaheen was the one, my husband, who had the idea to start a business and wanted to make a bigger impact in this world. I was in a cushy comfortable corporate job that I didn't want to leave. And so he had this idea to start a business and his original intent and vision was actually to start a technology consulting firm and specifically on Apple and Mac type consulting and helping businesses large and small integrate Apple and Mac technology into their operations. And so that was kind of how we started out. So really the, the form and vision of Pradulous didn't come together in terms of the change management practice until maybe the last five, six years. And that's because people just recognized and and resonated with how we go about it, which is really taking that human-centered grassroots and what I think is more sustainable approach to change. So we're experts now in the field of change management within our team. We have combined over a decade of practical, tactical experience on our team, and we've helped large enterprise, large enterprises with very large scale uh, change implementations and projects that have impacted thousands of stakeholders, so both in Western Canada and the US. And what really differentiates us uh, is that is our values. We're nimble and practical. I mean, Pradulous is our name, and it's a name for a very specific reason, because it's two terms that come together, pragmatic and agilist, which is the Latin term for agile. And that's really our whole philosophy and practice is we want to give business executives and leaders the tools, information, and resources to go about practical, sustainable, positive change for their organizations. So we're nimble and practical. We're fit for purpose and for an organization's goals. One of our other key values is that we listen in order to understand. So our business model allows for a level of hyper-focus that some of the bigger firms either don't possess or can't match. And we help to keep things simple. Our process is highly receptive and adaptive. We don't force our clients into a box. Instead, we build personalized, customized solutions around them and their people. So that's just a little bit about me. That's great. Thank you for that. 
I think now is a really good time because I think you would agree the term change management is thrown around pretty liberally nowadays. It is. Um, so define for us, what is change management in your eyes? So I actually don't like the term change management because it infers that change is just this force out there that we just need to manage and accept and control. And that's really not how it works. To me, change management, or what I like to call it instead, is change enablement or change leadership, is an enabling framework for the people side of change. It is a structured process with resources and tools for helping companies focus on what I call the predictable human dynamics of change. You can't make change in organizations solely in the boardroom or in the executive suite. It has to be done with the support and buy-in of your people in order to be successful and in order to be sustainable and in order for you to deliver business results. So I prefer actually change enablement or change leadership instead. And when I'm talking to business executives about the profession of change management, the discipline of change management, I talk to them about it being an enabling framework instead. There we go. So we have change management has now been put to rest. We have change enablement in its place. Love that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right. I think organizations a lot of times view change as almost as a hindrance to progress. Mm -hmm. uh, we would only as an organization just graduate to you know, getting on with it because we have other yeah. more important things to do. And the reality is that change is just so critical in organizations. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it actually brings up a really interesting dynamic that I've, I've talked about, you know, I think on social media before. I'd love your take on it, Mumtaz. Yeah. Uh, so as a consumer, I can't wait for change. Like mm -hmm. I want change yesterday. I want things to move fast. I want things to be dynamic. As yeah. an employee, I want change to go slow. Mm -hmm. And that's the inherent yin and yang, if you will, of change in organizations is that from a customer perspective, you're having to accelerate to keep pace with the market. At yeah. the same time, you have an internal resource base that may have challenges in keeping pace with that change. How do organizations yeah. get around that? Um, I think the most important lesson for business leaders to recognize is that change is a process. So just because you recognize there are these external market forces that are causing you to change and to embark on a journey of change doesn't mean that that's going to happen overnight. You have to recognize that both you and your people need time to adjust and adapt to that change. So your biggest role as a leader is to support your people through the transition, through effective two-way communication. And I'll really emphasize that two-way because often leaders think that that one uh, memo or town hall or that email that goes out to announce the change is good enough and people will just automatically get on board. That's definitely not the case. You need to make sure that you're setting up two-way communication processes and allowing for feedback from uh, the grassroots, from your frontline employees in order for that change to be successful and that you're coaching employees, so direct and effective communication, coaching them, supporting them through that change and offering performance support for them as well. Change is, resistance to change is a natural human reaction to it. So you're always gonna encounter resistance or what people characterize as resistance to change in any type of change, even the ones that are the most positive and that people are really um, excited about because there's this psychological transition that needs to occur. People need to adapt to something new. They need to say goodbye to something old. There is always some form of loss and people don't fear change. They fear loss. 
So recognize that every change brings some form of loss, some form of loss of autonomy, loss of certainty, it could be anything. And those all have a profound impact on your people. So recognize that early, address any negative emotions directly, help people to see the benefits and think of resistance to change as an opportunity to deepen your relationships with your people by answering their questions, encouraging them to connect with their colleagues and coaching them to develop their own action plans and strategies. Hey everyone, it's Matt here. I hope you're enjoying the show. Before we continue, I wanted to give a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Benji. The future of work is today. And Matt Parsons and the team at Benji have figured out a really cool hands-on learning solution that you need to be considering as you transition your organizational learning and team building and engagement online. Now, I spend several hours a day myself on video platforms. So whether it's Zoom or Skype or GoToMeeting, they're great. They allow me to interact with people and see them in all parts of the world. Though if you're like me, once those calls go on a bit too long, I start to get a little bit distracted. And it's not too long before I'm reaching for my smartphone or opening up another tab on my laptop. That doesn't happen with Benji. They have a catalog of interactive team exercises that makes it really easy for organizations and individual consultants to develop engaging solutions at any scale. And I'll be honest, I've been so impressed with the tool myself that we're actually looking at using Benji to power our virtual workshops with client-facing products. So I'm actually working right now with Matt one-on-one to develop a journey mapping exercise so we can take clients through the employee experience and illuminate thousands of dollars and hours of inefficiencies that organizations tend to have in their onboarding and hiring processes. It's a great tool. And Because you are a listener of the Thinking Inside the Box podcast, you're going to get a special benefit as well. I've talked to Matt. He wants to give as many people as possible access to this tool so they can make online learning more engaging. And you can do so as well by using the discount code BENTO20. So if you log on to the Benji website, which is mybenji.com, and you're as impressed with the solution as I am, then enter the code in BENJI20 and you'll receive 20% off your purchase. And with that being said, we'll return back to regular programming. So Mumtaz, I'm curious, from a change enablement perspective, organizations go through lots of different types of change. In some cases, there's technology implementations. In some cases, there's cultural transformations. In, in those types of different projects, does the change enablement process need to change along with it? So what changes is sort of the scope and scale of the effort, but the basic foundational steps of the change process don't change very much at all. And those generally tend to be that you start with sponsorship and vision for your change. So effectively sponsoring it and and clearly defining your vision. So the what and the why behind your change. The next step is really stakeholder discovery and understanding the different stakeholders that are impacted by this change. What are their needs, their interests, their priorities, and how best to engage with them to help enable the people side of that change. And the final step is usually building in some sustainment and reinforcement mechanisms to make sure that that change sticks, is embedded within the organization and becomes a way of how you work. Uh, effectively, right? And it, and ultimately delivers the business results and outcomes that you were looking for that you've defined in the beginning. 
So those are sort of the three basic steps that repeatedly occur in the change process. And the, and the process that we walk through at Pradulis is very similar and relies on that uh, framework. And really, you just scope and scale those efforts a bit differently, depending on the type of change, depending on the, you know, the number of people impacted, depending on the business results, the time that you have available to implement that change. All of that is customized as part of your overall change strategy and plan. And we work very closely with business leaders, the implementation teams, sponsors, to enable that change through those steps, through scoped, scaled, effective change strategies and plans. Which makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Though I imagine that in a lot of cases, the feedback that you would get from the organization is, we're on a timeline. Yeah. We have to move fast. And change enablement sounds like it takes time. Do we really have time for this when we have to move things so quickly to either meet a competitive uh, requirement or to, you know, maybe it's a more hard deadline? How do we implement change enablement when we just don't have enough time? Yes. Yeah. So the biggest uh, lesson I've learned in the decades I've been doing this type of work and working directly with business executives is that change is a process, not an event. So people need that time to adjust and adapt to change. And so you have to go slow in order to go fast. So start by defining your vision, engaging the right type of stakeholders and you know, using the right engagement strategies to involve them, because the more people are involved, the more they'll eventually commit to that change and actually integrate it into their day-to-day -day working. So you have to start by sort of stopping, slowing yourself down, defining your vision, define what really good looks like at the end of this change in terms of your people, not just, you know, technology and um, results, you know, bottom line results, but what does it look like in terms of the behavioral attitudes and mindsets that need to happen, the values that you're looking for that you want demonstrated, and then embark on actually implementing that change. And it does take a lot of time and effort to implement effective change. And that's usually why business executives look to outside firms such as ours to help them through that process because we've got the deep expertise, the knowledge, and the practical tools, information, and resources to help them through that. Though it sounds like as well organizations can build a bit of a change muscle that they can yes. actually over the course of time better handle change. Maybe talk us through that a little bit. Yes, that's actually the kind of work I love and I'm really passionate about. So, and that's the kind of work we've sort of embarked on in the last little while with our firm as well, is that capability building work. How do we build people, teams, organizations that are more nimble and agile in the face of change. And yes, that does take time to build that muscle. So we work with leaders, with teams, you know, working groups to help do that by way of, you know, examining their current maturity and practices and processes in change management or change enablement and change leadership and then helping them to develop different performance support and, and employee development and leadership development programs to support that current charity or capability. So, you know, if your leaders uh, need more effective skills in sponsoring change, you know, we will build programs to help their leaders build those skills. 
employees need resiliency, thriving and change skills, we'll help them to build programs around that. So whether it's learning and development programs, performance support, tools, information and resources, toolkits, all of that we will help them with. And that capability of building work is so much more important than just handling change as a discrete one-off type of event, because we know in today's business world that simply isn't the case, that we're facing ongoing constant change and disruption. And the only way to stay ahead is to keep people at the center. Yeah, and it's almost a case of pay me now or pay me later. So at some yeah. point, the change will take its toll on an organization. And if you're not going to spend the time up front to invest in the change and in your people, yeah. ultimately, I don't think it's a surprise if you expect slower or less favorable results in the back end of it. For sure. There's a number of research studies, one most notably by ProSci, which is one of the world's leading change management research firms. And they talk about that a change that uses or utilizes poor or little to no change management is only able to deliver on 15% of the business outcomes, whereas a change that employs really effective change management, excellent change management, is able to deliver on 95% of their outcomes. So it's a difference of 80% that I think is substantial. So you get six times the amount of return if you invest in change management and you invest really in your people. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think oftentimes, especially in large organizations, there can be a disconnect between the decision makers, i.e. those individuals who are ideating, architecting, and implementing change, and the individuals who are actually experiencing the bulk of the change. Mm -hmm. What I've seen in my experience, sometimes that disconnect can lead to a complete lack of awareness around the actual gravity or the depth of a change. If you don't know what's happening in your line, for example, and Mm -hmm. you're six or seven layers removed from that front line, sometimes it can be very hard to relate to a compensation shift or a training module or something that has material effects to the front line, but Mm -hmm. you as a leader, it may actually not affect personally and therefore you see the change as rather insignificant, but for others it can be potentially life-changing. Yeah, in the change uh, management world, we like to talk about the change curve, right? The process that people need to go through to adapt to that change. And yeah, so you may be further along that curve, that adoption curve to, yeah, I'm ready to commit to and adopt this change as a business leader because I've been in this for so long. I know that there's these external market forces that are causing us to move and to disrupt and, and to work differently. And my people should be there with me, but they're not often, right? Because they're just starting to hear about this. They're just starting to get under the what and the why of the change. And so they need some time to understand and go and move up that change curves that we like to show. That's one of the first things I usually start with when I'm talking to leaders is like, change is a process. Here's the curve that we need people to work through and that you will need to be supporting and walking people through um, and recognizing that it is a process. And they'll start kind of down here at this bottom right uh, or left corner of this curve at sort of unawareness, slowly build up to awareness and understanding through to desire and motivation and commitment for that change is really what we're ultimately trying to get to. We've talked about this earlier, Mumtaz, and I'd be curious your thoughts on the topic. Technology. Obviously, it's affecting every part of our lives nowadays and affecting every industry that we're all working in. How has it affected the change management profession? Mm -hmm. 
So change management is a profession that I like to say was born in HR and matured or incubated in IT because of the pace of technological disruption and change. There's just been so much technology-driven change, obviously, in the last decade. So because of that, technology-driven change has helped increase recognition of the profession and the discipline, I would say, and even helped to mature it. So at its heart, it's an HR profession, but it has been impacted by technology and technology-driven change because technology-driven change has caused business transformation, digital transformation, you know, this, what they're calling now, this intersection of humans and gig workers and AI or robots, right? So because of that, change management itself has, has had to evolve and mature as a discipline because of technology change. I think the, in, the integration of technology into change management of profession hasn't occurred enough, I mean, and maybe probably rightfully so, because it is a people discipline and domain, right? So it involves interacting with, engaging with, and working with and through people and teams. But I think it could use some sort of disruption on the technology side itself. So the use of technology to understand employee sentiment, stakeholder sentiment, perhaps by way of readiness pulses and surveys, I think would be great for the discipline. The use of executive dashboards to track and manage your change health across the organization. I think that is a disruption that the change management discipline and profession in itself could use. I don't know, even the use of AI, I'm thinking blue sky here, to help automate some of the monotonous repetitive tasks in change management, some of the analytical work that happens at the beginning to document your stakeholders, understand um, their needs, priorities, to you know, analyze that, present it back to stakeholders, perhaps you know, some of that disruption should, could and should occur. So I think the profession itself hasn't been impacted or integrated enough technology or digital digitize, digitization itself, but the way it's practiced and evolved has been in terms of technology-driven change within organizations. That makes sense. It does, yeah. And I think it's an experience we most of us can relate to. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd love to kind of take things back. You running a change management consultancy with your husband. You mentioned earlier that organization went through its own change. Yeah. How has change management affected Pradulus specifically? <laughs> uh, yeah, Um Ever since we got married, actually, in 2006, and when we founded the company, we've gone through a lot of disruption and change. So I talked about sort of the origin story that this was a business that was meant to be a technology consultancy and kind of a technology strategy firm initially, and evolved and grew from there. And ever since, since we've narrowed our focus to change management, we always take the time to learn and absorb what's going on around us in terms of the profession and the discipline itself, what organizations are going through in the terms of the types of changes. So we stay really tapped in and tuned in to discussions around the future of work, discussions around, um, you know, changing customer and market expectations. So we attend a lot of industry conferences, read quite a bit, write quite a bit and blog quite a bit around topics and change management, talk to business leaders, meet with them in their 
executive forums around their current challenges and opportunities in change management. So uh, we're constantly learning, changing, integrating new ways of working within our practice itself. Uh, it's just a part of who we are and, and how we operate. And I think it's important uh, as an entrepreneur to stay sort of that nimble, that agile, that staying abreast of things that are going on because we've got to practice what we preach, right? I would be surprised if you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mumtaz, uh, I hate to say this. This always seems to happen on these shows, but our time has sadly come to an end. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for including me on today's podcast. I really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this week's show, like, comment, and subscribe. It helps spread the value of our message further and faster. And if you're interested in checking out our other content, you can find us at bentohr.com on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts by searching Thinking Inside the Box. Until next week, bye for now. At Bento HR, we enable your HR strategy with custom HR technology procurement, implementations, and integrations to liberate your team from administration, enhance their productivity and experience, to position them at the center of your organization's transformation, where they belong. With experience as an HR executive myself, I have a real appreciation of the challenges facing today's HR leaders. The world is changing. Your industry is being disrupted. Your organization is transforming. And all the while, you're trying to do more with less. You're being asked to simultaneously model fiscal restraint while the expectations of your departments are only increasing. At Bento HR, we can support you at every stage of your transformation, from architecting the strategy to developing and selling the business case internally. We support procurement, implementations, and ongoing sustainment. And we tie it all together with a deep knowledge of the HR profession. And over six decades of combined experiences from our founding team, who has worked in or supported large HR organizations across multiple industries, including, but not limited to, financial services, technology, retail, transportation, and healthcare. Check out Bento HR today to build your very own Bento box, which doubles as your business case for transformation. Leveraging recent research into the upside of digital automation inside organizations, and with your help, in answering a few simple questions related to your organization, our Bento Builder will provide a directional business case for change. So log on to www.bentohr.com and build your Bento box today.